Welcome to the 3D Disciples Podcast, where we're working together to develop disciples who display God's love as we deploy into God's world. Join us on this journey by liking, subscribing, and following this channel. I'm your host, Hannah, and alongside us is the pastor of FBC Clarion, Jason Hunter. May Jesus help us climb to new heights. Back in February, we started this journey we call 3D Disciples, where we're working together to develop disciples who display God's love as we deploy into God's world. We're in our sixth chapter in our manual, um, where we're starting to talk about being in a relationship with God. It's actually page 72 where we're going to be at today, and we're not going to be reading in John 14. Um, so if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 40, that's the first place we're going to start. We're going to do quite a bit of Bible reading today um, as we think about what it is to be in a relationship with God. Uh, the, the kind of the topic that we're talking about today is this word behold um, and what that means. I think it's good. It helps us understand um, what it is to be a disciple uh, as we, or what it is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, when we couch it all in terms of a relationship. That, that we talked about this last week, how, you know, God wants to be with us. He wants to have us in a right relationship with us, and He wants to be in close proximity to, to us. He wants to live with us. We're talking about the Spirit of God indwelling us. And, and I hope you did. I, I know this week I made a much more concerted effort to just tell myself over and over at different times of the day throughout the week, you're here. You're here with me. You know, and, and it really did uh, have quite an effect on, on me. Um, and, but also as we acknowledge that God is with us, we need to take time to think about who it is that's with us. And it's not just God is with us, but, but, but who it is. I ask you at the beginning if you know who Steve Anastasia is, and there's only a couple of people in my family who know who Steve is. You don't. But as soon as I thought about Steve, I thought of kind of three things. And these are the three things we're going to look at today. You know, I thought about just kind of who Steve is, his personality, his characteristics, you know, the, the man that I know him to be. Uh, he's much more quiet and reserved and, and, than I am and just kind of goes with the flow. Um, and, uh, but then I thought about the things he does. You know, he's, uh, he's the uh, athletic director at, his, uh, at Olean High School. He used to be a football coach, and he and I both share a passion for the outdoors together. Um, and so that's what he does. And then, of course, I think about what it means to have a relationship with Steve, my brother-in-law, to, to, that, that we like each other and we enjoy being with each other and, and how my life is better because I know he's part of my family and I'm part of his family and just kind of the effects of that relationship. And so those are kind of the things we're going to be looking at today. But I, I want to talk just briefly about this word, behold, uh, because I had written it down, and, and originally the idea here was to kind of go back all the way, if you can remember, all the way back to chapter 1, the very first thought we had when we started what it is to be a disciple, we started with reverence, to think about God and to behold or, or consider who God is. And so that's what I had originally kind of was going to work out here with this idea of behold, to, to take a moment, and we're going to do this, to just, just to see God. But I want to talk a little bit about the actual word because this word is used an awful lot in the Bible. 
Uh, we have chosen the e, uh, English Standard Version to kind of be the Bible we work from. It's our pew Bible. It's the Bible that we read from on Sunday mornings as we read the scriptures together. In that version, the word behold is translated almost a thousand times. Uh, I mean, and starting early on in Genesis all the way through Revelation, it is used over and over in the Bible nearly a thousand times. I had started out good this week, and I, and I was going to read every one of those nearly thousand verses uh, where, to, to where it said, Behold, I didn't quite make it. That's a lot of verses, <laughs> a lot of verses. Um, I think I made it as far as like Second Samuel, and I finally like, whoo, that's a lot. Most of the time, the word is simply used to draw attention to an act. Um, like it's, it's really used over and over to like, pay attention to this, pay attention to this. Uh, I, I want you to see this. Uh, sometimes it's used for the actual physical act of looking like when I beheld them, I looked at them, I saw them. It's used that way too. But, but by, by, by and large, it's used just with this idea to pay attention or like if you were having a common, uh, a common conversation with somebody, you might like, Hey, check this out check out what happened, you know, and, and that's how it's used quite often in the Bible. But it is used in these three senses that we're going to talk about today as we talk about beholding God. When we think about behold, to, to see who God is, we're going to see what God does, and then we're going to think about seeing the effect that, of knowing God or being in a relationship with God. Because this is the chapter, this is we're in the relationship with, the, uh, we're in the living in a relationship with God chapter. And the truth of the matter is relationships need maintaining, require maintaining. If you don't keep your relationship up, you won't have one. You know, they don't just, there's, there's something that has to be worked on. And part of that is admiring and thinking about the person that you're relating to. The, so the idea here in chapter six is this behold that we're talking about here is the sense of recognizing God or, or seeing God for who he is so that we'll be more enamored, more awed by him, overcome by the person that he is. Because it's really hard to have a relationship with someone that you're unaware of. Until this morning, none of you had probably ever heard the name Steve Anastasia. You didn't have a relationship with someone that you don't know anything about. And if we don't know anything about God, we won't have a relationship with him either. And as we think about God and we think about the people we have relationships with, we grow to appreciate that relationship a little bit more. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to... Uh, kind of prompt. And really, I'm just going to let the scriptures, because this is really difficult in some ways to, to, to encapsulate what, we're, what it is to know God. And so all I can do is read to you about God and let God speak for himself. We call the Bible the revelation of God. That is God revealing himself to us. You know, And so God wants us to know him, and so he's shown himself to us in the scriptures. And so we're going to read several passages today. I'm going to try to read them at, at, a, at a slower pace. And I really want you to just listen or read along, follow along, and think about what this is telling us about God. 
And so the first behold is we're going to see who you are. We're going to see who God is and how, how he's revealed to himself. This is in Isaiah 40. We're going to start with verse 9. As we move on, we'll turn to some other verses, and I'll give you time to turn to those so you can either read along in your Bible or you can follow along on the screen if you'd like. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. See who God is in these verses. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald the good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not, says the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arms rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands with like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offerings. All the nations are nothing before him, and they are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? And what likeness compares with him? An idol? A craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast for it silver chains? He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? What should I be like? Verse 25, to whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out the host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because of his strong and power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right, right is disregarded by my God? Have you not heard? Known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creators of the end of the earth. 
He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to the him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall and be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Behold your God. See, when we sing, you know, know, an awesome God, you know, we're not joking. And sometimes we just need to stop and just really take a moment to think about who it is we're relating to. Be overcome by his majesty and his power and his awesomeness. There are just really no words in human language to describe who he is. And the best we can do is so much less than who he is. Behold your God. See him. The interesting thing is the Bible actually teaches us that God also sees us. There's a couple of verses in Exodus 32.9. And he said to Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, it's a stiff-necked people. <laughs> He's like, look, these guys are stubborn. In Deuteronomy 9.13 it says, furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people. And behold, it's a stubborn people. And it is so interesting that when we think about seeing who God is and seeing ourselves as we are, that those two don't go together. You know, why does he want to have a relationship with us? That I cannot answer. The love of God, the compassion of God, it's who he is. He sees us and he still desires to be in a relationship with us. And that is a great blessing. And we need to make sure we give plenty of time to appreciate who he is by seeing him. The next part of having a relationship with someone, first you kind of see who they are, how they are, their characteristics. But then you see what they do. So we're going to look at some verses and we see what they have done or what they are doing or what they will do. Uh, I'm going to read a number of verses before. You can go ahead and start turning to Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to read that at length here in a minute. But, you know, what we do is a huge part of who we are. A lot of people, that's actually how they identify. You know, I am, like people, as you know, they cannot introduce me to somebody without telling people what I do. He's the preacher or he's the pastor. And, uh, and now it's funny, people, I've said that so many times that people say, I know you don't want me to say this, but then they go ahead and say it anyway. And so it's, it's funny, but we, so many of us identify, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I, 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 whatever, I'm a truck driver. I, we are defined often by what we do. And I just want to read a couple of these verses so you get a flavor, because this is often how the word behold, and we're told over and over in the scriptures to see what God has done. And again, just, I think it's important to realize this is the revelation of God. We're going to read from Revelation chapter four in a minute together. But this is God revealing himself by what he does. Like Genesis 1.29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, that you have them for food. So, hey, look what I've done for you. 
Genesis 9-9, behold, I will establish my covenant with you and your offspring. God says, look, we're going to be in this relationship with each other early on. Genesis 28-15, behold, I am with you and will keep you whenever you go and will bring you back to this land where I will not leave you. I have done what I have promised. Exodus 23-20, behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I prepared. Exodus 34, and he said, Behold, I'm making a covenant before all the people, and I will do marvel so as, uh, such as have not been, cre- uh, been created in all the earth for any, for, or in any nation. All, and all the people among you shall see the work of the Lord and see how awesome the thing I will do with you. Deuteronomy 1.10, The Lord God has multiplied you, and behold, you are to today as numerous as the stars. Again, Deuteronomy 9, 6, And I looked, and behold, you have sinned against your Lord, and you made yourselves a golden calf. And 1 Samuel 3, 11, Then the Lord said, Behold, I'm about to do a new thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that's about where I got tired of reading all the beholds. But over and over and over, this whole idea is God is showing us himself by what he does what he's done, and what he promises to do. And, and that's a very important part of who he is. So we're going to read together Revelation 4, starting with verse 1. And this ends with what God's done. And it sets up, we praise him for what he's done. So starting with verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven, And the verse 4, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carillion. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne was 24 thrones. And seated on the, 20, on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne were the burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, there was as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, all are full of eyes all around within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, whoever lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Our praise for God really stems from what he's done. 
He has created all things, and all things exist because they were created by him. That's what he's done. The reason there is something is because God wanted there to be something. It reminds me of Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 18 and 20. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, by whom their own unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because he's shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and these things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. All that is, is because God said, let it be. That is who we're in the relationship with. The God who creates with his word, with his mouth, with his thought, that is so far beyond us. That's what he does. And finally, as we think about being in a relationship, we have to know who they are. We have to know what they do. But the thing about it is you can know somebody. You can know who they are. You can have some idea what they're like. And you can know what they do and still not be in relationship with them. The, the truth of a relationship is how you're affected by knowing and that person by knowing who they are and what they do. The, 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 the real metal of a relationship is how it's affected by you. There are people who know who God is. There are people who know what God has done, but they're completely unaffected by that. They, they don't give it a second. They don't let it be part of their life. And so really the measure of our discipleship, really the whole point of it is to be affected by who God is, and what God does. That is the, the, where the rubber meets the road in a relationship. So we can know somebody and still be completely unaffected by it. Isaiah chapter 6, though, we get to, we're going to read three different passages. We're going to start with Isaiah 6. And just see when, when, when the prophet recognizes who he's, whose presence he's in, how he's affected by it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, interesting the same image that we read in, in Revelation, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two they covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." Not only did they recognize who God was and what he's done, but the, the prophet's affected by that tremendously as he recognizes and he takes time to perceive whose presence he's in. 
Another one, if you want to turn back to Revelation chapter 6, you're getting your Bible drills in this morning. This is a little later on in the same passage that we just read. We're still in the throne room of heaven. But we're again going to see as the people have recognized, as the, as the elders have fallen down in worship and they called out, you know, that you have created all things. It picks up a little later in this idea, Revelation chapter 6, verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which, were, had the, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the four 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are for the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying... Worthy are you to call to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain in your body, and, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That we're overcome by, by knowing who God is to, to give him glory and honor and might and blessing. So worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. All these reactions from us to who he is and worship and praise and honor and dedication to the, to the one who was slain for us. This is a proper reaction uh, that he deserves, that he is worthy. And finally, one of my favorite little passages I'm going to invite you to turn to Job chapter 42. If you know the story of Job, Job has a very long encounter with God. And, and throughout the book, he talks about who God is over and over. Talks about uh, the character of God and, and, how, and who he knows God to be. And he talks about all the things that God's done. And, and he, he sees that. Uh, and he's still struggling with that. And, and really the book of Job is, is Job fleshing out, understanding who God is and, and realizing at the end of it, he still didn't quite get it. He, you know, he, he could talk about who God was and he could talk about what God had done, but he still didn't quite recognize who God was until God really comes to him and reveals himself. And I just want to, in Job chapter 42, starting with verse 1, it just encapsulate Job's reaction to that. The effect of Job finally really getting to understand who God was. Verse 1, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know 
that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is it that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you, you make it known to me. I have heard you by hearing, and I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. Now I've beheld you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. And Job said, like, I've, I've heard all this. Uh, I've been taught these things. I've heard by the ear, but finally I get to behold you. And I will not say anything else again. I'll shut my mouth now. Thank you very much. And so in knowing somebody, we have to know who they are, what they've done, and then really consider, do I have a relationship with them? Am I affected by knowing them? Does it change me? Does it affect me? Does it add to my life? And so I want to just give you a really simple, active discipleship. We've read a number of verses about who God is, like there is no other God before him. We've looked at the things he's done, that all things exist because he wanted them to exist. And we've seen the reactions of the, of the seraphim in heaven, these heavenly creatures who call out to one another, holy, 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 that the saints that are there around the throne prostrate themselves before him and worship him, that all the earth and everything above the earth and in the earth and below the earth will cry out, holy, 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 worthy is the lamb, right? And we've seen the, the experiences of even one like us, Job, you know, because we've heard, we've been taught, we've heard it with our ear, but taking time to really see God and behold him is really important. So, so here's your active discipleship. You can do this either right here on your page 72. If you, if you need, if you got space to take notes, you can do it in the back of your manual. Some of the blank pages in the back of your manual. I would encourage you to do this and put it somewhere to keep because I think this is really important. Simply write to God. And like I said, I think it's easy to count everything we do as disciples in a relationship. And, and there's a dying art of writing a good old-fashioned love letter. Uh, some, of the, some of our greatest historical things are, are the letters that people wrote from battlefields to their loved ones, right? And that's a, a dying art because, well, we can just text them now, Right? So take time to write to God. Write God a love letter. And consider your life very carefully and what you know about God. And answer three questions. Lord, this is who I know you to be. Who do you know God to be? Not who your mama or your daddy or your grandparents told you God was. Not what any preacher has ever told you God was. You have a relationship with God. Who do you know him to be? Because you've experienced it. What have you seen him do? This is what I know you have done, God. I've seen you do this, and I have seen you do this, and I've experienced you doing this. I know you've promised to do this. Your own personal experiences 
And then finally, consider very deeply how you are personally affected by knowing God. Because I know you, this is, how, this is the effect it has on me. This is what it makes me feel like. This is how I experience you. This is, this is what makes it matter. So just take time this week to think very, very deeply about who God is. What you know about him. What you've seen him do. And how your relationship with him affects your life. Does it make a difference or doesn't it? This is how, this is the person that we're in a relationship with. This is the person we're expecting to expend eternity with. That one day we will get to join that throng of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And we will get to see him face to face finally. But and now let us appreciate who it is that we love and serve and relate to. Behold your God. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Our prayer is that you've heard something today that will help you be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. We also want to encourage you to make sure you take your next step in your discipleship journey by considering what it is you would do about what you heard today and then go and do it. Finally, we want to invite you to join us at 1030 on Sundays either at our Main Street campus in downtown Clarion between Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's or online at fbcclarion.com. God bless.